Hello and welcome to Cannon and Cockrell. My name is Michael and I'm a Spurs fan. And I'm Jason and I'm an Arsenal fan. And uh, Happy New Year. I mean, we're quite some way into the new year now, but this is our first episode of 2022. So Happy New Year, everyone. And as we head into 2022, the North London rivalry is looking very spicy indeed. We have the first North London derby of 2022 coming up this weekend. And as we head into it, Spurs are two places and two points behind Arsenal, but with two games in hand. So a victory either way could prove very decisive in the race for Champions League football. But before we get on to previewing North London derby, maybe we should start by talking about the FA and Carabao Cup. Mm. Um, We're recording this on Tuesday, so Tottenham's uh, second leg against Chelsea hasn't happened yet. It may have done by the time we're listening to this. Arsenal's postponed first leg against Liverpool is on Thursday. Arsenal are at the FA Cup. Uh, Spurs somehow managed to squeeze past Morecambe in controversial circumstances. Well, controversial, the substitution in Dombele, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Mm. Um, Jason, how do you feel about where Arsenal are at the start of the year? FA Cup, Carabao Cup, Premier League. What's the, what's the feeling about uh, 2022? Um, I guess we have to go back to the City game on, I think it was New Year's Day. And um, there was so much excitement the way we started the game. I mean, what it was best we've ever seen Arsenal probably for five years or so. And it was just fantastic. And you knew that if you didn't see, you know, you didn't see a goal early and, and, and cement, you know, cement a win, you knew the trouble lay ahead. Oh, I did. I'm always the, the pessimistic gooner. And um, yeah. The uh, it's it, it's hard to explain my feelings because I then went I crawled into bed straight after the game and uh, and uh, I, I was I was very miserable because I knew that you know you have this it, you have this you know these contrasting images of the new Arsenal what we're becoming and the vision for the future and we're taking on the best team in the world probably the best manager in the world and beating them in their own game and then you have Granite Shaka who symbolises the end of the Wenger days. Um, mediocrity, lack of discipline, um, disrespect to the fans. And, you know, you know, you don't like to always use these behaviours against them, but I think there's a pattern there of, of irresponsible behaviour. And you just knew when uh, why he was that far back when where Bernardo Silva was for the penalty is where a left-back should be, where's Tierney, or maybe your other centre-back, where's Gabriel, probably still scuffing the penalty shot before he's even, <laughs> um, he's even given a penalty. And you knew, you don't kick someone and grab him by the shirt. He did foul him. I don't know what fans are complaining about. And before we go, you know, we can go back to that Odegaard one. I've seen them given. A one angle, it looks like he got the ball, Edison, one angle, thing. Odegaard was not go- scoring a goal from that. You know, he was going away from goal. So, for me, both penalties are in the right. And City deserved that, that, that goal. And um, it didn't surprise me. I, I mean, I think I, I think I messaged everyone in my contact book who, who was interested in football. I said, Xhaka is a liability. And I said that we are going to lose this game. My friend said, what are you talking about? You've just, it's only 1-0. Uh, I said, no, we're going to give away this goal. 
I knew. I knew. I knew we were going to give away the goal. And I'm I'm not as frustrated as everyone again with the Gabrielle thing. I think I I've been told it wasn't the penalty spot incident, it was the shouting the ref. Unnecessary. And the second one again, it was yeah, it was a, it was a sending off. It was a bad foul. But you just I blame Shaka, the source of the problem, because we looked in total control, cruise control. And as soon as he made a mistake, it's almost this negative energy that spread to the rest of the team. And it became a calamity. You know, Martin only missing a sitter, albeit the referee gets in the way. You can see that clear as day gets in the way of Martinelli's view. I mean, I don't know what he was doing. Um, there were some suspect decisions overall the game. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's all very well saying, best we ever played, we're proud of Arsenal. We lost 2-1. doesn't matter. We don't want the best performance trophy. That's the first thing. I don't want it. You know, it's, it, it's inspiring, yes. It's only inspiring if you go and uh, follow that up by thrashing Nottingham Forest 8-0 at their place. Um so yeah, thanks, thanks, uh, Shaka. You know, that for me, you know, you can't necessarily blame, you know, because it wasn't just him that was fault for everything else. But how many times do I have to sit here and say, Granite Shaka, Granite Shaka, Granite Shaka? It is a, you know, we nearly had him out the door. Now he's like our captain and talisman again. Go away! I'm curious. And now we've let AZ Mate Niles go. He was probably one of our best players when Arteta started um, and probably still is one of our best centre-mids. Elneny and Party of African Cup of Nations, but they played so badly recently that I don't care. I don't even care if they come back. Like, obviously, I hope they come back safe and sound, but, like, I don't care. Sammy Lukaku is a kid. Yeah, he's been playing well, but he's a kid. And to put Charlie Patino is actually, from what I saw, he was a creative attacking midfielder. So what he's doing in a midfield pivot which, by the way, we don't need two players. I mean, Lord knows, it's it's infuriating. And as a lot of fans keep pointing out, you could have made Roma wait for Maitland-Niles. Someone would have picked Maitland-Niles up at the end of the window, but you decide to get rid of him, and then you don't have enough midfielders. Um, I'm glad he hasn't signed Jack Wilshire, but who knows, that will probably happen soon. You know, where is... Where is I don't understand what the trance team are doing you've got three months or so when the summer window ends and the january window begins that's when you do your business and if you have to pay 10 million over the odds you pay 10 million over the odds because you're going to lose a hell of a lot more money than that if you start having a downturn in form in january it should have been done by january 1st we should have had a whoever we wanted in place for the city game whether that was Vlahovic and Basuma, although I think Basuma's in Africa at the moment, or, you know, whatever you want. I, I, I'm fed up of, of this kind of mediocrity of planning as well. And, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's all I can say. That's all I can say on the City game. When we go to Nottingham Forest, I, I sat down and thought, oh, this is nice, you know, a nice uh, Sunday evening, watching the football, and I started cooking. I couldn't be bothered. I saw, after 10 minutes, I saw this. there's only one way this is going. It's not going to be pretty. And I agree with Arteta's substitution of Tavares. He was absolutely terrible. He lost the ball nine times. Um, he was kicking it out. He was kicking it to our 
calamitous keeper, Bern Leno, um, not responsible for the goal, but uh, certainly, and, and I'll go into it in a bit more detail, but certainly responsible for, for the lack of excitement in the team. Um, it was a pretty strong team. Everyone's saying, oh, it was a reserve team. No, no, no. There was, when Tierney came on, there was, there was half a team, over half a team there. Our front line was the same as it's always been. Don't tell me you swap out Lacquer and Nketiah and you get that performance. Um, it was lacklustre and embarrassing. And it's a motivational thing and a setup thing. And the reserves aren't good enough. And I'm kind of glad we're out of the FA Cup because I don't need to see those reserves anymore. And we can watch because they're going to have a week now. They're nothing to distract you in the second half of the season. You keep your fitness. You play 90 minutes. I, don't, I, I barely want to see substitutions. One of them, best 11. You go, go, go. And you go in these next 18 games or so. And you beat Spurs. And you go and get top four. And in the League Cup, who knows? Liverpool have cheated and um, they'll probably go win that now and destroy us at Anfield. I mean, what? They're saying they had about 10 false positives when the odds of false positives are, are not even possible. I mean, it's uh, nothing to say more on, on that on that topic, but it's it's sounds of dirty tactics, especially when we're on, when we're on form. Uh, but I don't expect to get through the League Cup. Um, the only solace is that Chelsea will destroy Spurs again. And um, that'll be that for Spurs' uh, trophy contention once more. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 it was just a bad day at the office for Forrest, but it just showed how we're lacking in squad depth if we get a big injury. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's shown what we need to do in January. There are two things. But I, I just wanted to touch upon the goalkeeper because... You know, everyone acts now as the goalkeeper's just, you know, oh, Leno's such a good keeper because he makes good saves. It's not just that anymore. From the Allisons and the Edisons, it's, the game has changed. Everyone said, why is he bringing in Ramsdale, uh, Dale Arteta? Because he wants to play that City start. That's what he's doing. And they're playing out the back, and he brought someone in who can pass out the back quickly. When he kicks the ball out long, he reaches out his player. I mean, I've seen unbelievable amounts of times how Ramsdale kicks it all the way forward and it goes to his man because he's good at it. Whereas Leno, he holds onto the ball, he kicks it up, he doesn't really, he doesn't play that system. So again, it sets the tone from the back. Cedric shouldn't be in the club. Holding shouldn't be at the club. Ben White, I don't know what he's doing. You've got kids in the middle. So the whole structure didn't work. And Ketia missing another open header. I mean, why we've now cup-tied him so he won't be attractive to some clubs. And, you know, that performance, why would anyone sign him under that performance? I mean, it's embarrassing. Um, we're in real danger of our season going up the spout in two weeks. Not even two weeks, in a week. A week on Thursday, in one week, we could go, our season could be over, in a way. Um, especially in the next, next few weeks, because... If we don't sign a striker and a centre mid and proper ones, one replacing Shaka and one, I hate to say it because he's been playing well, replacing Laka or Aubameyang at least, um, then we're finished. We won't be getting top four and it will be a wasted season. So, yeah, a lot to digest. I'm sure we'll come on to transfers in a bit. But, yeah, I was just, um, I was just furious. I mean, I, I don't know if the, um, what the sentiment's like over at, over at Spurs because I guess Listen, you were expected to win that Morgan game and made a meal of it, but you know it look, it's looking very, uh, very trophyless once again at, at uh, the White Hart Lane. 
Well, I mean, you say that and, and you say that if we lose to Chelsea tomorrow, then that's our trophy ch- uh, hopes over. But we are, unlike Arsenal, we are in the fourth round of the FA Cup. We are still in the FA Cup. So I wouldn't be so sure that it's uh, another trophy list season. We do have more more chances of winning a trophy than Arsenal. Although it does sound like uh, we have a lot of similar problems and it, it seems like we're heading into this month in uh, similar states of mind, um, strength and depth. Definitely an issue at Spurs as well. Even though we won our FA Cup game, we did have to bring on Kane and Lucas to do it. And it's just time and time again, it, it just it just showed that we don't have any strength and depth whatsoever. And that we, we can't trust the result, even not even against Morecambe, who I think near the bottom of League One. The fact that even, I mean, we saw it with Muro as well in the, in the Conference League. We've seen it time and time again. We saw it last season um, with uh, Zagreb in the, in the Europa League. It's just these reserves aren't good enough to win a game without having to be bailed out by Kane or Lucas or Son when he's fit. Um, And so that doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence for the rest of the season if we do manage to stay in the FA Cup and go far in it. Because, Well, I suppose we'll just have no choice but to play our full-strength team as often as we can, but then we know what the repercussions of that can be in terms of injury. Um, Similarly, in the transfer market, I think uh, Spurs fans are frustrated as well about how uh, as you said, you know, you've got all this time to prepare and plan, and yet it seems like things are things are dragging out. And there's all these talk of meetings, you know, Conte and Levy and Patici having these meetings. And you think, well, surely these meetings should have happened a while ago. I know Conte's needed to have some, you know, and he came in a couple months ago. He needs to have time to evaluate the squad and give his judgments. But even still, you kind of think maybe some things could have happened sooner. And knowing from uh, ghosts of transfer window past with Spurs, it'll probably drag out to a deadline day and we won't get the our main targets. Trip. That Bahamas trip that's being talked about, what's what's that about? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. That 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 seems strange, this idea that, first of all, that Levy would have to go to the Bahamas to meet Joe <laughs> Lewis, when you imagine that they're probably communicating via Zoom or phone all the time anyway. It, what it sounds like to me is that Levy was probably already in the Bahamas on holiday and so brief to the press that he was on some sort of work trip. So the fans would think that things were happening. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure why the whole Bahamas trip to the Bahamas thing has become a story this week. Uh, very strange. Um, but yeah, it's funny. It's, it does seem like Spurs and Arsenal, apart from the FA Cup um, exit, it does seem like Spurs and Arsenal are in a very similar boat this month in terms of once again um, being reminded of, of the, the having no strength and depth needing to make moves in the transfer market and having a real make or break month in both the cups and the league. And obviously we'll get on to North London Derby and you, you don't sound very confident about beating Liverpool in the Carabao Cup semi-final. I'm certainly not confident about us overturning uh, that deficit against Chelsea. And I have to say that performance last week against Chelsea was incredibly depressing. I think it was the worst Mm-hmm. performance slash result that we've seen under Conte so far. I know we lost to Mura, which is probably a more embarrassing defeat, but you know, that was in the conference league and at least we at least we scored in that game. Against Chelsea, you know, it, it was a derby, it was a semi-final, and we just didn't show up and it was just classic Spurs. And Con- Conte's not blameless here. I think his team selection wasn't great. I mean you sent me we were messaging in fact about the team selection beforehand and I told you that I didn't like the look of that lineup at all. Um, I know his hand was forced a little bit in terms of injuries, but even still, it felt like he's persisting with this uh, three at the back shape kind of week in, week out, almost regardless of whether or not he's got the players um, available to him who suit that system. 
uh, with the players who were unavailable for the Chelsea game, it seemed like he should have just done a back four. And in fact, when we switched to a back four in the second half, we looked a lot better. Granted, Chelsea were already tuned up by that point, so they probably weren't trying as hard as they were in the first half. But I thought his selection was strange. And I felt, you know, you talked about setting the tone with uh, Leno at the back. And I felt in a way, uh, you could argue that Conte actually set the wrong tone in the build-up to the match because even before the match he was talking about the gap between Spurs and Chelsea and it almost sounded a bit mm. defeatist like he was already kind of making excuses like he was um expecting the the defeat and he said the same thing after the game which is you know fair enough to say after the game when we've all seen it on the pitch but even after the match even if you think well it's refreshing to see a manager be this honest and his you know his diagnosis of the team and their problems is correct it, it the stuff he said was the the exact sort of stuff that Jose Mourinho got slaughtered for and there's a point when you wonder whether it's going to become sort of demoralizing for the players. And he didn't exactly sound um, very optimistic when he was speaking after the game that we could turn it around. Um, but looking at the players themselves, and this is kind of a to segue from that onto the FA Cup game. During the match, I was staggered by just what the, the lack, like you can expect a lack of a, a gap in quality between Spurs and Chelsea. Obviously, they, their team costs a lot more. They won the Champions League last season, but there was just a real lack of, of fight. It didn't feel like a, a derby. I don't even know if we got a single booking in the match. And the, the moment that frustrated me more than the absolutely comical, diabolical own goal was there was a moment in the second half when um, I think it was Azpilicueta pushed over in Dombele. He landed on the floor and then Rudiger ran over and whacked the ball right on the back of Ndombele's head when he was lying on the ground you know clearly um intentional and not one player did anything no reaction you can imagine if that's the other way around Rudiger Azpilicueta all the Chelsea players would have been surrounding the ref they would have been starting a fight they would have been getting someone books they would have asked for you know they would have caused the, a scene out of it all the Spurs players just you know heads down trudging away Kane not doing anything Hoiberg not doing anything all these players who are meant to be leaders and captains nothing and I was like wow like when you think back to, um, you know, the infamous 2-2 when Leicester won the league and all the challenges and things mm. that were going on there. And it was like, you know, we really have lost that sort of that fight and that mentality. But then you look at how Ndombele behaved when he was substituted against Morecambe. And maybe you think, oh, well, maybe the players just weren't bothered because they don't like Ndombele. Um, and it does seem like in the Morecambe game, Ndombele now has definitely sort of well, I say burn his bridges, but then you were talking about Xhaka earlier and, and the, it, it was similar to the Xhaka incident in terms of taking ages to walk off the pitch and fans booing. He wasn't quite, though, as aggressive as Xhaka when, if, if I remember it correctly, Xhaka was almost kind of like, you know, waving his arms to kind of rile up the fans even oh, more. Oh, yeah, he was, he was swearing us as well. He was not. Well, yeah, exactly. So, and and he, he, he had a way back. He ended up staying and signing a new contract. So maybe there is a way back for Ndombele if, if the Xhaka comparisons anything to go by but yeah that Morecambe game even though we won like I said the circumstances in which we won it didn't exactly bring much confidence and I think off the back of the Chelsea game off the back of the Morecambe game uh, even off the back of you know New Year's Day it, it was a brilliant start to the year for me watching Arsenal uh, lose in the last minute and then Spurs win in the last minute but the fact that we needed a last minute goal to beat Watford who have been absolutely shipping goals all season was a bit worrying. Southampton, 1-1 draw. Okay, we were unlucky. At least one of the two disallowed goals should have stood. Um, but still, it's kind of, it does feel like we've had a bit of a, you know, from the heart, sort of 
we beat Palace 3-0 on Boxing Day, which seemed like, okay, now we're really kind of purring under Conte and, and revving up. But then since then, it's been a bit stop-start. You know, 1-1 Southampton, 1-0 Watford, losing 2-0 to Chelsea, only just scraping past Morecambe. It seems like we've lost a bit of momentum and energy. And I think tomorrow night against Chelsea, I'm not even expecting us to win, but I just hope we see a response at least and a bit more fight and passion than we saw last week. But then the real big game, I mean, because we've got Arsenal obviously on Sunday and then I think it's Leicester on Wednesday and then Chelsea the Sunday after. That's Arsenal, Leicester and Chelsea in the space of a week, which will be make or break in terms of top four because we could easily lose all three matches. And even with the games in hand, we've still got left against Burnley and Brighton. And that would probably be it for top four, even though I suspect United and Arsenal and West Ham will still give us plenty of chances. You'd, you'd think that's probably we will have left ourselves just a little bit too much to do. If we can win a couple of those games or, or come out unbeaten and still either in touching distance or actually in the top four with those games in hand, still in the FA Cup, who knows what in the transfer market, then all of a sudden the rest of the season could look quite exciting. But I could easily envisage, just like you said with Arsenal, a scenario where in a week or two's time, our season is over. I mean, I don't think both of our seasons will be over in a week or two's time, although knowing our clubs, they probably find a way for that to be the case. But it definitely does seem like a, a real make or break month for, for both of our teams. But it's interesting because you think, you know, I mean, Man United, you know, they're getting some results, but they are in disarray. I mean, I've never seen, it's kind of kudos to, to the club as a big club because I'm hearing they're so in uproar even when they win because of the style and the players' attitude. And, you know, West Ham, again, they're, they're, they're newbies to it. You know, I know they've pushed before, but you still think out of all the quality and experience, it should be Spurs and Arsenal are kind of a, kind of a, an outside chance. But, but yeah, you're right. It's, um, it does feel like there's a lot of um, importance on uh, Sunday's game. And speaking of Sunday, how confident are you heading into that game? Because the impression I seem to get is that Arsenal fans, you know, this is just going off kind of online and what the, the chatter seems to be, but it seems like Arsenal fans are fancy their chances on Sunday. Oh, I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm saying we have zero chance. I think we're going to lose. I think it's going to be embarrassing. I think um, the bubble's burst again. We haven't signed anyone. There's no momentum. Um, they'll be thinking about that result. Yeah, I, I, I'm not as optimistic. You know, we should be. After that City game in the league, you should think, wow, you know, in terms of performance, we can beat anyone on our day. Um I would take a draw tomorrow, and I usually don't say that in a derby, but I'd take it just to stop you and, you know, to bring a couple of players in so we can get some momentum. I don't know about you. What are you do you feel the same? I, I'm, I'm very nervous about this match. I think um, mainly because it feels like there's so much riding on it in terms of top four, even though it's still relatively early in the season. It feels like there's so much riding on it that it almost feels like a semi-final or a final. And we all know how well Spurs perform in semi-finals uh, or finals even. So, yeah, I just, I mean, we'll have had, you'll have had one day less uh, rest than us, obviously, because you'll have been playing on a Thursday night. And in fact, it'll be interesting, I think, for both teams to see how strong uh, a team we put out on Wednesday and then you put out on Thursday, because... I guess for you guys, it's it's only the first leg. So you could think, well, we just need to stay in the game and then we could try and turn it around in the second leg at home and save some of the big guns for the match on Sunday. Um, 
And then for Conte, I almost wonder, I'm not saying necessarily he will do this or that he should do this, but I wonder as well whether he'll think, you know, we're basically already out of this tie. I've got Arsenal on Sunday and then Leicester Wednesday, then Chelsea Sunday. Do I, in terms of his team selection, does he does he rest players for Sunday and see that as a big game? I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah, I just think, even though you lost to Nottingham Forest and even though who knows what happened against Liverpool, just the way we've been playing, the form we've been in, doesn't fill me with confidence going into that game. But the atmosphere could be a thing. I mean, I'll hopefully be going and it will be the first North London derby at the new stadium with a capacity crowd. Mm. Previous two were the first was behind closed doors completely. And then the, the other one was when there was like about 5,000 in there or something. It was when they did that brief kind of trial period um, last season. Uh, it was a game we won 2-0. Um, and when we were kind of top of the league under Mourinho and thought he was going to lead us to glory. seems like a very long time ago now. Um, and I feel like our, our players should be up for it as well to get revenge for what happened at the Emirates when you beat us 3-0. Like, I feel like we need to put that right. And I hope it's similar to... Because um, we, we lost 3-0 away at Palace and had a player sent off. And then in the reverse fixture on Boxing Day, we won 3-0 and Palace had a player sent off. So I'm hoping it's another reverse of that and we get our revenge and we beat you 3-0 but I just think yeah the way you've been playing if if you perform the way you did in that City game um, even though it kind of annoys me a bit I mean you said it yourself so I don't have to say it but the way this kind of yeah the performance trophy that Arsenal have been given for for losing to City when there are teams such as Spurs who have actually actually did beat City this season um, it was a terrible so, performance but if you if you play like that and we play how we've been playing uh, basically all year, then I think there's only one winner and that's Arsenal. So I hope we turn up and play to our potential because if we can, I think it could be quite an interesting game. But I think I, I would also take a draw right now. And I think I wonder whether our attitudes here in terms of taking a draw will be reflected in the managers as well and whether actually we'll get quite a cagey maybe dull sort of nil-nil with both sides settling for the draw because neither side, you know, they'd rather not lose than go out for the win. Interesting you said about um, the way you've played all year. Do you mean calendar year or all season? Because um, one of my my favourite bloggers has been uh, comparing Antonio Conte to Unai Emery, uh, giving him the the name Unai Conte and, uh, you know, just basically saying, yes, he's a bit like Unai at the start. He had... 21 game unbeaten run or something but we were terrible and it really masked what was actually going on on the pitch and because of you know everyone's talking about Conte's the first manager blah, 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 when he's like got some loads of draws and first don't look very free flowing uh yeah I just wondered whether, whether you what your assessment is actually I mean you know it's been it's been a little bit of time now yeah I mean I guess looking at it uh, in the league, obviously, it's been what was it, eight matches now, unbeaten, uh, five wins, three draws, and yeah, you'd look at it on paper and you'd say there isn't a single game we've won that you probably wouldn't have expected us to win on paper. I'd say the only real sort of statement result and performance, which I don't think we've talked about actually, was the the two two draw with Liverpool. Oh yes, um, the draw trophy. Well, it's better than the uh, the, the lost trophy that you had against True. City. Um, but no, because in that game, that was one where you'd think, 
even though we were at home, you'd think Liverpool, they're absolutely flying. Um, Liverpool will win this. But we went out and, and really we should have won that game from the, the chances that we created. And we played really well. It was the best performance I've probably seen from Spurs. I mean, even though we drew the game, you could argue it was actually a better performance than the win over City on the opening day because that had an element of... I mean, you know, City dominated large stretches of that match. It was a little bit of a smash and grab, whereas this, we really went toe-to-toe with Liverpool. It was really back and forth. We kept Salah and Mane quiet. I mean, Salah, bet, I mean, it's probably one of the only games this season where he hasn't had a goal or an assist. Um, and we, we were really unlucky not to. And it was kind of everything you thought that Spurs uh, had, had stopped being able to do. It felt like one of the kind of peak Pochettino performances. Um, but strangely... Since then, we haven't seen that lineup or that formation repeated since that match. And I'm not sure why. Um, I mean, Ndombele played in that match and actually set up the first goal. Um, in fact, I think it was a midfield of um, Ndombele, uh, Delhi, and Winks, which when I saw it, I thought, oh my God, we're going to get absolutely pummeled here. Um, but they all actually stepped up to the play and actually Winks has really kind of turned it around. Um, but yeah, I find it odd that given how well we played in that game, and that felt like a bit of a turning point and like a step up, but we haven't really been able to replicate that since then. And it's almost like we haven't tried to. Conte hasn't played the same formation or the same team since then. So, yeah, I think I think this 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 month, this week will will be the real test. You know, coming up against the likes of Chelsea because not only do we have the second leg, we play them in in the league as well. Coming up against Arsenal, Leicester, I think this month will really tell us where we are. I think he's done a good job. I think even though we said those are games you expect, expect Spurs to win on paper, I expect we would have lost a lot of them under Nuno. Um, you know, beating West Ham actually in the quarterfinal to even get to the semi-final. I mean, when the draw was made and it was West Ham, I thought, well, we'll definitely lose that one. Um, I, I think it, it, the issue at the moment is I think he's trying to get players to do things that they're maybe just not suited to do. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about Emerson Royale at right wing back and his crossing and it not really being up to the standard that you need to, to play in that kind of position in that way. And um, obviously we're being linked to Adama Traore a lot and, and this talk of making him the right wing back, but given that his end product isn't necessarily the best, I'm, I don't know if he's going to be any better at crossing than uh, Emerson, but maybe he will under Conte's coaching. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it feels like, I mean, I kind of um, alluded to it earlier when I said about the Chelsea game when he was playing the three at the back even though the players didn't seem to suit it it seems like he's kind of forcing a system on the team until he has the players available to do it um but yeah I think he's doing you know I think it's easy to underrate the job he's doing because of the fixtures and because you expect Spurs to be at a certain level because of what happened under Poch but if you look earlier in the season under Nuno at the kind of comparable fixtures I mean I mentioned the Palace example we beat, we beat them 3-0 under Conte. We lost them 3-0 under Nuno. I think that there has been a big change and a big improvement. Um, and I think insofar as the performances have been a bit inconsistent, that's mainly due to him kind of try to, trying to bed in this new system. But I think a lot will depend, as seems to always be the case with Conte, on what happens in the transfer market, either in January or in the summer. If he can get in the players that he wants, uh, then I think he can be successful. But if he can't get in the players he wants, then he might start to get frustrated and things might sort of come to a head. I mean, it's it's funny because he keeps on talking about, you know, how we need patience and this is a long-term project, but he's only on an 18-month contract. So it's kind of a, a strange thing. I mean, he could extend, obviously. I think there's an option for an extension anyway. 
but it's a bit kind of I guess we're still trying to figure out is he bit, has he been brought in to kind of try and bring instant success and win as a trophy or is this the start of a new sort of long-term project and if so then is he really going to be around for a long time to do it because he's not really stayed at one club for I think more than three years kind of similar to Jose in that sense so yeah I think I can see how from an outsider's point of view, the jury would still be out on Conte. But I think definitely Spurs fans are on board with him. And the feeling very much is like Conte isn't the problem. Like if there's still issues at the club, it's because of past recruitment. It's because of the players we've got in certain positions. It's not not a Conte problem. Conte is the one who needs to be backed and supported. And it's, you know, if it's other players who, who are the issue rather than Conte. And I think you're starting to see that now with certain players who are under their fifth or sixth manager at Spurs now and is still not really delivering the goods. So, mm. yeah, I guess it's maybe an A-, a minus, maybe. Um, although, I mean, I think I, I would probably just give him an A, but I can see where you're coming from in terms of the performances have been quite inconsistent. We have, I guess we haven't really got that really statement result yet. That, re- you know, beating Liverpool could have been it. But I think if we, if we can overturn it against Chelsea, if we can beat Arsenal or beat Chelsea in the league. I think we just need that big statement result uh, and then we could be flying. But yeah, I don't know. And I guess from the Arsenal point of view, I mean, one thing I was thinking with Arteta, people, it still seems with Arteta, people are still talking about him as if he's only just arrived. It almost seems like, with what you've just said to me as well, that there's more pressure on Conte to be delivering now for Spurs than there is on Arteta, even though Conte's only been here like two minutes and Arteta's been here two years. And and the way people were talking after the City game as well, and you saying about being at the FA Cup and now we'll have more time. But it's like, how much more time does he need? How much more longer is it going to be a work in progress? When is the expectation going to be on Arteta to actually deliver and mm. get you back to the top four or actually win a trophy, you know, in front of fans? Again, you know, obviously he did win the FA Cup, but that came so early. And and it almost seems like now the expectations of it, 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 yeah, it's like you're still talking about him as if he's brand new. I don't know what what what's the feeling with Arteta at the moment. Yeah, no, these are fair points, and I, I will give you a very good answer. I hope. Um, first of all, I give uh, from my side Antonio Conte a B minus, um, and and it's very interesting. Um, you know, again talking about oh, when he gets the players he needs. Well, hold on, wasn't that the reason he actually signed up? You know, again January. What, is it going to be a scattergun approach? Where's where's your world-class players? I mean, he'll throw his toys out the pram and he doesn't get what he wants. And it's interesting you reminded me about the 18 months because I think it's interesting Man United will be looking for a new manager in summer and maybe he'll decide, you know what, they've got money, they've got world-class stars. Yeah, they've just warmed the seat for me. Now I can start from a fresh season. Um, but that is another question um, entirely speculative, of course. Uh, on, to, on to my own club business. Um, I look at Arteta's reign in two. His first year, he came halfway through the, the season and he won the FA Cup at the end. That bought him some capital. The rest of it was rubbish. The first half of the next season, he deserved the sack. And Emil Smith-Rowe saved his life by just being the only person available. Came in against Chelsea. We won and we went on a decent run. We just missed out on Champions League football. Um, you know, it doesn't really look like that, but we did. It wasn't, it was five or six points, which, which isn't that much when you think about how there are fine margins. Um, 
in the game of football, especially in the Premier League. Um, and ever since that day, something changed. You know, it wasn't perfect, but it was something about building the team around young players. And then the summer was that statement of intent. It was a, it was a hard reset. And they said, we have a strategy now. It didn't work, our strategy of trying to cheapskate into the um, Champions League by buying the Pepes and the Williams and the Cedrics and whatnot. It didn't work. So let's get rid of all that, for the most part, who we can get rid of. And let's start again. And we're going to buy young. They're going to cost us a premium, but we're going to have them for the next six years, six, eight years. And we've got a young manager with hopefully no ego, although I've heard otherwise, um, with Man City IP, who is going to build them up. And he has improved every single one of them, I would argue. Their reputations are better than when they left their clubs. And as you've seen throughout the season, apart from those first three games, we didn't have all those players available. We had problems with COVID. We were playing the two biggest teams in the league, arguably. And since then, we've been playing better. The eye test says it all. The stats say it all. We've, we've been playing well. And we're in fourth place. It doesn't matter whether you, you're games in hand, games in schmand. It's points on the board. We're fourth place. Couldn't, couldn't you argue, though, that it's, it's similar, similar to us, that you haven't really beat anyone you shouldn't have beat? I mean, wasn't the City game, that was a, you know, that would have been a big deal, beating them. Do you still think you need to beat a really top team? Because you lost to United, you lost to Chelsea, you lost to City. Yeah, I mean, we, we've, we've beaten them in the past. And I personally would rather go a season beating the other 16 teams or whatever and losing to the top four because... It's all about points on the board and winning trophies and winning games. And yes, it would be nice to win those big games finally. But that's the next stage of our iteration. And yes, and I agree with you, you don't need to point it out, that the City well-done performance, we should have won, that we didn't win trophy, that, that, that was progress. That was progress to actually not be walloped. That was progress. And you're hoping the next time we play them, we're going to win. We're going to get a draw and we're still going to play well. Um, I'm on board the process because I've seen the iteration, but I think you have to look at it as really Arteta's younger brother was in charge in that first year and he still won more than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and, uh, and Conte so far. That's Spurs. Um, and, you know, yes, there will be times where because it's a young team and because it's not the finished article, it will be times where you'll lose games and you'll have those Everton results and, you know, you get bad eggs out of the squad. But I think because there's a strategy, it's seen differently. Whereas when from the outside, it doesn't look like Spurs have a strategy. Who are they signing? Who, you know, Adama Traore is not... Thanks, but it's just he's just quick. If nobody else wants him from Wolves, he hasn't left Wolves, he's clearly not the world-class player you all think. In my, in my humble view, you know, Jesse Lingard, it might be fake news, but very nice. But he'll probably want to go to West Ham. And does that really move the needle on your attacking options? Um, you've said every single year, oh, we're going to get a backup for Kane or someone alongside Kane. I think you need to replace Kane based on his performances. Um, not to mention your only good centre-back, it sounds like, is uh, perennially injured. And your captain and goalkeepers leaving in the summer. I mean, it's it's from my view, I would rather be in Arsenal's position than Spurs because I don't 
I don't see the point of having a big manager if you're not going to give them the resources they need. And Arteta, even though he's young, he's making statements. He's saying, I'm bringing on Kolasinac at the last minute because I've got nothing left. This is my message to you, Josh Cronkey, that I need a striker. And that, that for me is, whether it's respectful and good management or not, it's, um, it's in line with the strategy. He knows what he needs. He needs the tools. And, and for me... I mean, I, I obviously, I, obviously, I saw it because you know the fibbling expert I am. But when everyone, really, the mass market, did not see a problem with Leno, and he brought in Ramsdale to change the style, this is the sort of guy we're working with. He's worked under Pep Guardiola for years. He is not a bad coach, and he is not a bad football mind. And all the best uh, footballing minds say he's got potential. And yes, as much as Arsenal have evolved, and you know, not been the powerhouse we have even off the pitch um, as well in recent years, you know, you've got some pretty serious business people putting their faith in this guy as the leader of this club. And that doesn't happen in business unless there's really, I mean, unless there's nepotism, maybe you could argue a little bit of ex-Arsenal. Um, but, but with such high stakes, you think, you know, they, they see something in this guy. So I'm on the board. I'm on the gravy train. And I guess this, this, kind of segues us nicely into what there's two to three weeks left um in january and you know conte only works well with players he signed you know he he's a he needs money and and signings and after daniel levy's holiday slash business meeting in the bahamas um do you think now he's gonna get what he wants and and what do you want now because i, I guess we asked this question throughout the season but now we're here I mean, all the stories of Delhi's going on loan and Don Ballet's leaving and uh, Bergwijn's off. You know, are you going to bring any players in or is it just going to be more bare bones? And, and who? You know, you'll probably end up doing uh, gazump, trying to gazump Newcastle for Chris Wood. <laughs> uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind. I'd take Chris Wood. Um, I mean, Traore, I think, is looking... I mean, I'm... I'm so nervous about saying looking likely when it comes to Spurs and transfers because we know how these things can fall through but Traore has been the most heavily linked and I actually think even though I questioned his um, his end product when I was speaking about him earlier I do think that that is a, a signing that I could get behind I find him an exciting player to watch you always worry about him coming up against you when you're on your position team and I can imagine him creating a lot of space for the likes of Kane and Son and if you can even find a way if you play him at right wing back to have him Mora, Son and Kane in a team, I can imagine them causing defences a lot of issues. And if that's who Conte wants, and if Conte can, you know, let's not forget, Conte turned Victor Moses into the best right wing back in the league. He won the title with Victor Moses at right wing back. If he wants Traore in that position and thinks he can get a tune out of him, then I'm on board. I want whatever Conte wants. In terms of what I would want, I think our priority should be a striker because I agree we need not only a uh, a partner or a rotation option for Harry Kane, but a long-term replacement for him. It worries me that Arsenal are the club who have been most heavily linked to Vlavic, although it seems like you're a lot keener on him than he is on you. Um, I'm hoping that Paratici can use his Italian connections to, um, to try and get a deal there. Although it seems like a lot of our business, it, it, it's like, oh, Spurs are looking into this for the summer. We want to do this for the summer which suggests we're not actually going to get that much done in January. It's all going to be put on the back burner for the summer, which, you know, there's been talk of uh, Frank Kessie from AC Milan as a kind of midfielder. And it's like, oh, he'll be a free agent in the summer. 
again, the Jesse Lingard rumours today, oh, he'll be a free agent in the summer. So it's like, OK, well, it's all well and good getting his players for the summer, but we kind of need players now. And I think a striker really does need to be the priority because against Morecambe, we saw what happens when Kane is our only recognised striker. We played Hill and Delhi up front. Neither of them knew what to do and we had to throw Kane on. And with Son injured now as well for, I've heard, between three to five weeks, we really need more firepower up front because, you know, especially if Bergwijn's leaving, we're really relying just on Kane and Lucas. And if one of them gets injured, then we're really, in tr- you know, be back to putting Dane Scarlett up front or recalling Troy Parrott from his loan. I mean, we'll be in re- we really will be in trouble. So I think it should be us rather than Arsenal going all out to sign Vlavic or a striker because I think that is the most pressing priority. Um, then I think we still need, particularly if Ndombele now is on his way out, I think we really need a creative midfielder. We've n- we never really replaced Ericsson. Ndombele and Celso are both really disappointed. And this Hoiberg skip axis is just, mm-hmm. it's like a its like a vacuum, like nothing is being created there. They're both hardworking, you know, good characters. But the, the, the fact that Harry Winks has been looking so good lately, maybe he has been improving and responding to Conte, but maybe it's also an indictment of what's around him. If all of a sudden Harry Winks is looking preferable, if all of a sudden I'm wanting Harry Winks to start matches, then that, that really speaks volumes about Ndombele and Sato's impact. So, yeah, I'd want a striker and a creative midfielder, and I'd have those as priorities before a right wing back. But I guess Conte's system is so heavily reliant on these wing backs and having them be a threat that I can see why maybe he's prioritising that. But for me, a striker and a creative midfielder. Well, maybe, and that would be Spurs. I mean, we basically replace Bale with Bale. Why not bring Bale back? I mean, I, I mean, the fact is, we had Bale and Vinicius last season. We let them go. They were both on loans. We didn't make either of them permanent. We didn't replace them. Uh, we let Lamella go. We brought in Hill, but Hill hasn't really done anything. So we're definitely weaker than we were last season up front. So I think that needs to be the priority, is getting goals back in the side. And then, you know, defensively, obviously, we, we need reinforcements. Clearly, um, Conte doesn't rate Joe Roden. Tanganga, I think, for his own development, probably needs a loan like the one Skip had last season. Romero injured all the time. I don't really see the point of him at the moment, to be honest. You know, Eric again, kind of like Harry Winks in the middle. Eric Dyer has become our best centre back. Like what was so striking against Chelsea is how much we missed Eric Dyer. And again, it's like okay, maybe Dyer is improving and responding to Conte's coaching. But again, is the fact that all of a sudden Eric Dyer is looking so important to us? again a damning indictment of the players around him like when I saw earlier today like oh Dyer's out for the second leg I thought oh well we've lost then and I I never before would have said oh Dyer's missing that game's lost so I mean I I think from top to bottom we need improvements everywhere but I'd I'd start up front I'd start up front and then then work backwards but yeah yeah I mean I was going to say with Hung Min Son out as well you really don't stand a chance well, he's the big game player now. I mean, previously you would have been more worried about being without Kane, but I'd rather be without Kane and, and have Son. I'd easily uh, take Son back if, and have Kane be injured instead. Like, And I think this is really actually a big moment for Kane because, you know, there were the comments again last week, another big match, another semi-final where Kane didn't actually turn up. And he talks about wanting to win trophies. Well, these are the sort of matches you have to make an impact in. Uh, we know he loves a goal against Arsenal. So maybe this is the week where he really makes an impact and and turns the season around. I mean, now is the time when we really need him to step up. Mm. And maybe Hummed Son isn't injured. Maybe he's been just uh, he's touring around with Spider-Man and Zendaya. <laughs> maybe, yeah, on the on the Nowhere Home press tour. Yeah. Spider-Man, Nowhere Home, Hummed Son, Nowhere Home. 
Yeah. Well, with Arsenal, with this Vlahovic, as you said, um, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's um, trying to ramp up interest, although I wouldn't see why Vlahovic would want to come. It's the hottest property in world football. Why would you want to come to a club? Yes, we're up and coming as a proposition, but we're not in product. We're not in the Champions League. It makes it makes zero sense, apart from the fact that in terms of the striker market, we're probably the ones really looking for the other players outside um, the Mbappes, the Haaland's, the Lewandowski's, I hate to say it, the Canes probably. He'll probably uh, end up at either Juventus or Man City in the summer, won't he? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, although I think Juventus really are broke. They're having a terrible season. That, that's why I'm thinking, well, why would this Kesse come to Spurs when he's, you know, he's fighting for titles in Milan? Or he's suddenly going to come to Conference League Spurs? Or be it next season, you, you probably won't be in. You'll probably be in nothing, hopefully, if it all goes well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I've heard about Isak and Calvert-Lewin and uh, Jonathan David. I mean, they all sound a bit meh to me. Um, as long as we can get someone who is you know, who can just score goals and be ready in the Premier League to bang them in. Chris Wood? Chris Wood, well, no. Not quite. I'm not, we're not that desperate. But um, even Ollie Watkins, you know, I think he's he's good. I don't think he's quite the guy. I mean, really, when Calvert-Lewin's on fire, yes, but still no. I don't really know. I mean, really, it's Danny, it's sort of like Danny Ings type. Um, I don't think that's happening anytime soon. Or an Iniesta? It's not prolific. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. I think they're going to go abroad for it, but I think it will happen. I think. I think the tone from the club is now. They, they've put a lot of faith in Arteta, and if he's vocally saying this is what I want, and we're going to do it, and there's the all or nothing, it wouldn't surprise me deadline day to see some serious moves, um, which would be great. It's just about the caliber, um, but Vlahovic, no. It, it, it ain't happening, guys. It ain't happening. Maybe we'll have to do a, a deadline day special. Never mind sure. the Sky Sports. It'll be Cannon Cockrell deadline day live. Huge, huge scenes. That would be. Uh, I'd love that. I guess uh, before we before we kind of sign off, it'd be interesting to kind of chat about what's going on um, around the league because you know it's our, our mutual hatred of other clubs and to see Man United really uh, really lost an identity. And what do you think happens because it's a very unusual situation where, you know, it's not like players can down tools and say, well, this guy's gone. He's going to be their consultant. He's going to be above the manager soon to be able to decide on everything. So it sounds like, I mean, Ralph Rennick, for me, I didn't know much about him, but his reputation in my eyes has gone really downhill the past few months. Yeah, it's a strange one. I feel like, I feel like there's a, an issue there in the dressing room that, They've just got too many players, you know, going back to Lingard being in Spurs. The fact that they've got the likes of Lingard, Donny van der Beek, um, Dean Henderson, um, Martial, you know, there must be a lot of unhappy players there who know City that if... City do it. City do it all the time. Mm, true. But I guess City have, I suppose there's been a coherent strategy over many years. Mm. Um, and I feel like they do a better job at rotation than United seems to be doing. You know, it feels like City are good at kind of having each player be just involved enough that they feel part of it. You know, everyone kind of gets their moment in the sun mm. over the course of the season, whereas it really feels like, particularly someone like Donny van der Beek, it's like, I don't know what he has to do to get a game. Mm. Um, I feel like he made a big mistake by going there. Like, if he'd gone to Arsenal or Spurs, you can imagine 
in him actually being quite an influential player. I mean, he could have been Odegaard before Odegaard, for example, or he yeah. could have been our Ericsson replacement and been playing week in, week out. And instead, he's just sitting on the bench all the time. And you know United aren't going to sell him to either of us because they won't want to sell to a top four rival. So I don't know what he does. Does he go back to Does he go back to Holland like it looks like Bergwijn's going to do? Does he go to abroad? But I mean, like you said, other clubs, the financial situation, you know, what you have to demand from the Ronaldo thing. I think Ronaldo bringing back Ronaldo was a mistake as well in terms of what it might have done to the dressing room. I know he kind of scores big goals and is one of the best players in the world, but mm. you wonder whether that destabilised things as well. Um, so yeah, I feel like, but I mean, they've. Do you not still think, though, that they could still finish fourth, like the quality they've I got? I don't, know. I think I, I did think that, but I think there's just too much of a mess and they can't do anything about it. He's flip-flopping between players like mad. Um, Ronaldo can't, you know, eventually the bubble will burst, as in he just won't be able to play these 90 minutes. Um, I, I think it's, it's not over for them. You know, there's always a chance, but I wouldn't put my money down. I think mm. I, speaking of money, Newcastle. I mean, it's it's slow. It's slowly happening. It looks like. Yeah, I still think. I don't know. It's, I mean, Kieran Trippier. Speaking of the the transfer window, I would have happily taken him back at Spurs. And in mm. fact, I think there's an argument to be made that if we're looking for a right wing back, Trippier would have been a much better signing than the Dharma Traore. Um, mm. But that's that's I guess another discussion. But I mean, I don't know. Is Trippier and Chris Wood really going to be the difference between? Staying up and going down, maybe. I mean, I, I just said to you when we were messaging that that Chris Wood transfer is a bit like the six-pointer of transfers because they're mm. taking away from relegation rival. Apparently, it's a release clause he's got in his contract but that they've activated and Burnley aren't best pleased. But I'm sure he'll be on much more money at Newcastle than he would be at Burnley. It's uh, I mean, they could bring him on for half an hour to get a header in the last minute. But yeah, you're weakening your rival to strengthen you. It's It's... Kind of genius, and I'm sure they're not done yet. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't really go for someone like Coutinho, but I'm sure they've got two or three left of them. And it's the sort of thing on deadline day when clubs are trying to sell and loan, they could go mad. The problem is, though, is I mean, you you just said like, why would Kessie want to come to Spurs? But at the moment, the problem Newcastle have got is okay, yeah, they can offer big wages, but you you, you run the risk of being a, a championship player in a few months' time. I mean, I guess they'll have like relegation clauses in their contracts. Mm. If they do get relegated, they can go and kind of no harm done. But still, it's it's still a hard sell at the moment, I think, Newcastle, mm. given the situation they're in. I mean, they just lost to Cambridge. like, And they did they did put out a pretty good team in that, in yeah. that, in that match. So I, I, It sounds horrible to say because he's so likeable. I wouldn't be surprised if they sacked Howe quite quickly. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised either. <laughs> they just went for like... Dice or red apple. Just, if they keep losing, they, they I reckon they would. Yeah. <laughs> it's so bad. They he seems like, like, yeah, such... Would they really bring in an Allardyce or a red nap? Like I don't know. I don't know. Or uh, Jose, he'll be free soon. Yeah. Oh, that that would be blockbuster. Well, he he has a soft spot for Newcastle. Oh yeah, of course. He'd he'd want to avenge his old mentor. And he might get sacked by Roma soon. I mean, it's all falling yeah. apart there again in the classic Jose fashion. Digging out their their kind of poor mentality after they blew their three one lead to Juve. Terrible. They're all blaming Ainsley already. You don't <laughs> want it back. You can keep him. He's all yours, Jose. All yours. It's weird because Jose's, you know, he calls out bad attitudes, and it sounds like Ainsley's had a bad attitude at Arsenal, and yet he's the first one he wants to sign from us. Well, it's like there were rumours of uh, Roma taking Andom. 
Ndombele and it's like well I remember when Mourinho was at Spurs he was the first to be on Ndombele's case so I don't see why he would be the one to buy him now Jeez. I feel kind of bad for the Ndombele welfare I think we might need to get HR a Roma there if he goes there yeah a bit worrying but uh, yeah it's going to be interesting I mean we're halfway listen it's still early things can change we're halfway there oh. <laughs> podcast first everyone and, and we are living on a prayer. We are living on a prayer. Oh, good one. <laughs> Bring on Sunday.